I actually came to BJU to teach in the seminary, so I teach New Testament and Greek and areas of worship and pastoral theology and things like that. But after we arrived in Greenville and looking for a church, uh, I accidentally started pastoring a, a little church that needed a pastor. Uh, I say accidental because it was just something the Lord uh, led us to do. Uh, and one thing led to another, and now I've been pastoring Gateway Baptist Church uh, for about five and a half years, and uh, things are, are going really well there, and we're really just grateful for uh, the Lord's work there. So we're very busy, my wife and I, and uh, we have three married daughters and two children who are about to finish at BJU. So uh, we're going to be empty nesters before too long, and we love our children, but we're very much looking forward uh, to being empty nesters, actually, uh, for a while anyway. But uh, I'm going to begin uh, with a scripture uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, just a, a really unique passage, I think, on the subject of prayer. And I'm going to jump right into the introduction here in the middle of the, the text where Paul is beginning his letter to the Corinthians. And he says uh, to them, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Uh, We're reminded in this text and other places in 2 Corinthians that Paul faced uh, near-fatal experiences on his journey uh, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul had great confidence, and he expresses it here in this text, in the God that he serves— Because he says this is a God who has the power to raise the dead. And if God has the power to raise the dead, he can certainly raise up Paul daily to be able to preach the gospel. But if you look at verse 11, we see that it is not only his confidence in God that stabilizes him in the ministry and encourages him. Paul actually ties the deliverance of God directly to the effective prayers of of God's people in verse 11. He says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Uh, We have great respect for the sacrifice and ministry of hardworking missionaries. I imagine some of you are in missionary service, and that's what's taken you perhaps to different parts of the world that we just mentioned a few moments ago. And and, uh, we hear testimonies of missionaries, and we we feel this sense of urgency sometimes that we should be serving in this way also. Whenever I travel out of the country and I get to some place, I, I start feeling like I want to come here and, and just share the gospel uh, with these people. But if God has not called us to serve this way, we think, well, you know, we can always give to missions, and that's very, very helpful. But if we don't have much to give, we think, well, we can always pray for missionaries. And We say that prayer is a vital part of missions, but I wonder sometimes if we don't think of it as the last resort. Like if we don't have anything else to do, we don't have the energy or the opportunity to actually serve, and we don't have the money to give, that we can can at least pray. 
like a college student comes and is going to do a short-term missions, and uh, we say, you know, we don't really have anything to give, but we promise to pray for you every day while you're gone. And we, we sort of feel like we're copping out, in a sense, in not helping in the way that was asked. But that is not how the Apostle Paul thought about prayer. What Paul expresses in these verses is that prayer forms a genuine partnership in ministry between those who are serving alongside those who are praying. In other words, supporting servants of God in prayer is an indispensable part of ministry. So I notice a couple things here. First of all, Paul counted on the prayers of these people in Corinth. He says in verse 10 that God delivered him from such a deadly peril, and he continues to hope in God's deliverance, and that leads him right into verse 11 to say, you also must help us by prayer. In other words, the deliverance he's expecting is partly dependent upon the prayers of God's people. Paul would be as assured of God's deliverance as he was assured of their prayers for him. Now, you might think, you know, did, did Paul really count that much on their prayers? I mean, this apostle to the Gentiles who looked death in the face so often. And I was reminded in thinking through this of what he says in Ephesians 6, where he begs the Ephesians, pray for me also, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And I think that's profound insight into Paul's thought world. He counted on the prayers of God's people in order to accomplish what God had called him to do. And and also I want you to notice, uh, Paul considered their prayers to be genuine participation in their ministry. And there's a lot going on here in verse 11. We look really close at the verse, but Paul is saying, you must join together on our behalf by prayer. And join together here is a verb that means to assist with. In other words, when Paul envisions the prayers of the Corinthians on his behalf, he didn't see them as sort of launching these feeble requests up to heaven from a long way off, asking God to please look down on Paul wherever he is and help him. In fact, this word to help or assist, it's a very rare word in the Greek language. One of the only times it occurs uh, that I found outside of the New Testament is in the work of the famous physician Hippocrates, right, where you get the Hippocratic Oath. He has a lot of books that he wrote in the ancient world and he writes one on joints. And Hippocrates is talking about the effects of the joints of the leg when a person is trying to walk with one leg injured and the other leg lame. And Hippocrates says that in this case, the strong leg assists the weak leg. It helps with the weak leg, he says, using this verb. And that's really remarkable because we have it turned the other way around in our minds, I think. We think almost intuitively that the work of the ministry is the strong part and prayer is the little bit of extra support that we need to get the job done. So ministry is the strong leg and prayer is the weak leg. But I think Paul sees it the other way around in this text. In fact, Paul most often, especially here in 2 Corinthians, we saw it even at the beginning when I read in chapter 1, he confesses his weakness that his strength and ability are feeble, and so he's dependent upon these prayers. So he's a weak minister depending upon God's people praying alongside of him 
to minister. And of course, it reminds us of Martin Luther, who said famously that he had so much work to get done in a day that if he didn't spend the first hour in prayer, that nothing would get accomplished. And then really quickly, one other thing we see in this text, Paul anticipated their prayers to result in much praise. Because he says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So Paul thinks that the result of numbers of people praying is that there would be just as many prayers of thanksgiving for answered prayer. Because once again, Paul believed in the effectiveness of the power of people partnering with him in the ministry through prayer. So uh, we need to pray for one another, but that's not just an empty exercise or a side thing. Uh, if you have a partner that you're praying with through your minist- for your ministry or whatever God has, has called you to do, that is a vital, indispensable part of the ministry that we cannot neglect. We're asking people right now to pray uh, for our campus here at Bob Jones University, and we are so thankful for those who are partnering, partnering with us in the ministry uh, to pray for God's will right now. But we need to see our effort of prayer not simply as a helpful add-on to the proclamation of the gospel, as if everything's going to continue on and do the same even if we don't pray. We need to see prayer as an indispensable part of gospel proclamation. So I, I think this text genuinely encourages us to pray for one another with this confidence that prayer itself is at the center of the work of God. And I'm praying that God will convince us, as he did the Apostle Paul, of the absolute necessity of partnering together by prayer for the effectiveness of gospel ministry. So as we pray uh, this afternoon, let's think about that And as we pray for our brothers and sisters, let's remember that God is using our prayers uh, as a direct benefit into their ministries so that the gospel is proclaimed.